sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Right here to the early line, our number two of a football Friday as we go into week 14 playoff positioning on the line. Fantasy playoffs likely going on as well. Hopefully you already had Cam Akers in your lineup and then you'd be sitting in the catbird seat for a playoff matchup. Kev, we're looking at teams that, you know, where they are in the playoff picture. And we're about to talk about the New Orleans Saints. They're in the playoff picture. They're they're worried about bigger things, right? Like the for example, in the NFC, which they have right now at 10 and 2, the best team in the NFC, they travel to Philadelphia. Now, the narrative around the Saints all season has been, you know, oh, the offense, we don't know how dynamic it is. Taysom Hill coming in, Drew Brees and his 11 crack ribs on the road to recovery. We know about Alvin Kamara, who's obviously that dude this season. Michael Thomas, by the way, had a great game last week, nine catches for 105 yards. By the way, in that effort, Kev, he became the fastest in NFL history to 500 receptions. I think that is an interesting little note for Michael Thomas. You can't guard Mike. But honestly, Kev, for me, it's the Saints defense. The Saints defense has shown dramatic improvement lately. They are now the best defense in the NFL in terms of yards allowed. They only give up 288 yards per game. They only give up 20.1 points per game, which is fourth in the NFL. They get after the passer as well, and that could lead to a bad spot or a tough spot for Jalen Hurts making his debut as the starter for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is an Eagles team that has given up 53 sacks, the worst in the NFL. And now they get an emerging Saints defense. I think this is a tough spot for Jalen Hurts to make his debut as a starter. What do you think Peterson, Hurts, and the crew are going to try to do against this, you know, elite Saints defense, Kev? Uh, Pray? I don't know. Listen, at the end of the day, I look forward to this game as an Eagles fan. I get to watch a young rookie quarterback, exciting type of football player, make his debut. Is the matchup difficult? No two ways about it. But from a fan perspective, it's going to be an exciting game. Because you know what as well, Dane? It's going to be a relaxing game. There's been a lot. There has just been a lot of beatdown for the Eagles this year, but this right. one, if it happens, it's fine because it doesn't feel like we've now ruined the playoff chances that we should no longer. It just it is what it is. And I think it could be difficult. I think we've talked about this earlier in the week. Fantasy numbers might be all right because Jalen Hurts very well could have to scramble yeah. for, you know, 50, 60 yards. I think an over rush prop for Jalen Hurts would be interesting. But I'll tell you this, Dan, I think this game, it's a low total, 43. I think you can still play this number under. A couple of trends for you here. The Saints have played five straight unders, including 3-0 and in Taysom Hill starts. The Eagles have yep. played to six straight unders. And just a little quirky one. We've had three quarterbacks make their debut this year. Tua, Herbert, Burrow. 3-0 and yeah. to the under in rookie QB debuts this season. Jalen Hurts, can he make it four? Uh, I don't know. 
I kind of feel like points might be scored in this one. It'll be interesting. We've got a matchup that, you know, at the beginning of the season, we thought would be Drew Brees and Carson Wentz, and it's really Taysom Hill and Jalen Hurts. Uh, one of these quarterbacks, though, could be interesting, especially, like you said, in DFS. You know, Taysom Hill is going for 7,700 on FanDuel. Jalen Hurts is going for 6,600 on FanDuel. That could be interesting as we welcome in our radio audience, all of the affiliates around the country, around the globe. Thanks for getting up early with us and putting the fun and functional sports content. Kev, the other team that is contending for a buy in the NFC is the Green Bay Packers, right? The Green Bay Packers are there. They are continuing to roll behind their MVP candidate in quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers leads the league with 36 touchdown passes, leads the league in passer rating. And I just talked about how Michael Thomas was the fastest in history to get to 500 catches. Well, Aaron Rodgers is the fastest in in history to get to 400 touchdown passes in his career. Many of those going to Devontae Adams. Here's what it is for me. Uh, you know, the Lions we thought would bow up, win one for Bevel now that Patricia is gone, but I don't know how they do that against these Green Bay Packers. Kev, here's what it is on its face for me. The Packers, number one in the NFL, scoring 31.6 points a game. This offense has been humming. Aaron Rodgers, LaFleur, the chemistry there. The Detroit Lions, they give up 29.8 points a game. That is second worst in the NFL behind only the Dallas Cowboys. You got the best scoring offense, the second worst scoring defense. Give me the Packers. Can I just ask you this? Because this is yeah. why I've struggled with this week. Does this week does this game not prove that home field advantage is being factored into point spreads or what? I mean, are you kidding me? It's, it's not like the Packers are only seven and a half points better than the Lions on a neutral, right? Yeah, so, yeah it has to be. Yes, like there's just there's just things around the board that are certainly confusing me a bit. Uh, Listen, now, though, Green Bay as big favorites have not come in recently, though, right? Jacksonville, sure. you know, they didn't, they slept walk a little against Philly. Division home dog, seven points. Could Stafford get the backdoor cover in this one, though? Could it be something like a thirty-one twenty-four? I could see thirty-one twenty-four here. I love a game the team. that's 31-17 I mean, for a lot of the time, and then yeah. Stafford gets one in the fourth quarter. I could see that, I love that. happening. It's like it's like the team total projections, right? I mean, it I, is. And, and I know thirty-one twenty-four is on the number of the yeah. total, also. I know, and I know you did that off the top of your head as well. I know that that was not because of what the total was. So that's why I love that. I'll just quickly let you know this: the Lions this year in Detroit, one and four against the number. The Lions over their last six games are giving up over thirty-two points per game. Yeah, and in I'm comes saying. Aaron Rodgers, who <laughs> thinks that the MVP is within grasp. Yeah, I ain't getting in front of that. No way, no how. Fair enough. If you want to stack this game, go Stafford and Hawkinson coming back. Could be an interesting duo. We'll talk more on the other side. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, breaking down games of week 14. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, also known as the spitting statistician and the candle burner, trying to give you the information you need. Kev, I mentioned also in this Detroit game, because I'm going to talk to Davis Maddock on Sunday and on DFS. This to this game is a total of 55 and a half. Everybody knows about kind of, you know, the Green Bay Packers offense. I like the idea of Stafford and TJ Hawkinson coming back in a stack. I mean, Stafford had 400 yards 
yards passing last week. TJ Hawkinson leads the NFC among tight ends in all categories, pretty much, right? Like Kelsey, okay. Waller, okay. But those are AFC guys. Kittle has been down. Hawkinson is the best tight end in the NFC right now. But you know what's interesting, Kevin? This game I mentioned, you have the number one scoring offense against like Mm -hmm. the second worst scoring defense, right? Remember that in the next couple of games we are going to talk about, which has a playoff team involved, but I'm really interested more in like the race for the bottom. I was so energized by the number one overall pick when the Jets and the Jaguars were almost going to win a game in like a 20-minute stretch last week on a Sunday. So let's turn to one of those teams, the Tennessee Titans. Go to Jacksonville to see the Jaguars. We got another big home dog scenario here, much like the one we just talked about in division with Green Bay and Detroit. We see the same seven-and-a-half-point number In this one, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, you know, are not trying to win. Gardner Minshew is begging to be back in the starting lineup. We all know he's their best chance to win, but he will not be the starting quarterback. I wonder what the Jags are trying to accomplish. And here it is again, Kev. The Tennessee Titans, the third highest scoring offense in the NFL at 29.9 points a game. And the Jacksonville Jaguars as the third worst scoring defense in the NFL, giving up 29.3 points a game. How do the Jags stop the Titans? Because I don't think they can, Kev. I mean, they probably won't stop them. But here's the deal. The Jags off their bye Made a quarterback Ooh. change. They've made another one Go ahead. since then. Make the case. They are Kev. four and five against the num- four of their last five. They have covered four and one ATS in those five games since it's the Luton Glennon Luton Glennon combo. And the Titans are two and six as favorites against the number. Zero oh and three as road favorites against the number. And you know what? Checks out for me because I remember pretty confidently betting the Jackson, uh, excuse me, the Tennessee Titans against the Jaguars the first go around in week two after Jacksonville had beaten the Colts, and then the Jags covered that game as well. Yeah. The Titans are going to go into this spot. You have to be careful here because I've done this a bunch. Oh, the Titans bounce back spot. Like last week was a disaster. They'll respond this way. No, their defense stinks, they give up points. Yes, Derrick Henry should go for a zillion yards. I also thought he was going to go for a zillion yards when he played him in week two, and he didn't go for a zillion yards. I got a a seven-and-a-half-point home dog in division. I just passed on one with the Detroit Lions. You did. Am I going to really pass on it twice? That feels like I'm tempting. No, you tell me. Well, so you're going to lay these points. Okay, you're going to take the points. Excuse me, the seven and a half at home. In the AFC South, it is very interesting. You mentioned Derrick Henry. He does lead the NFL in rushing yards at over 1,300 yards. The Titans have also won six of the last seven in this matchup. But seven and a half for the home dog is interesting. One way it could happen, though, Kev, you know I always talk about the turnover margin. Tennessee plus nine in the turnover margin, even though they did turn the ball over a bunch last week, right? Henry fumbled in an uncharacteristic way. Tannehill, I think, turned the ball over as well. I think Corey Davis or A.J. Brown, one of their stud receivers, also fumbled. So that is maybe a way they can bounce back, Kev. They're plus nine in the turnover margin. The Jacksonville Jaguars are minus seven. 
seven. So they may, whoever the quarterback is, give opportunities. By the way, don't forget, James Robinson has been a revelation. Undrafted rookie setting all sorts of records for undrafted rookies. Remember what I talked about, um, good scoring offenses, bad scoring defenses? Well, we got another one, Kev, in the battle for the number one overall pick. The Seattle Seahawks will welcome the New York Jets to town. They couldn't handle one New York team at home. Let's see if they can handle the other one. And again, Kev, here you go. The Seattle Seahawks, fourth in the NFL in terms of scoring offense, 29 points a game. The New York Jets, fourth worst in the NFL in scoring defense, giving up 29 points a game. The only problem is in this one, the Jets themselves only score 15 points a game. That is the worst in the NFL. I can point to things that you may want to look for as a Jets fan. I will say this. One prop bet I will have, I'm going to have over on Jamison Crowder. Uh, this week, okay, because I think game script will be such that they are throwing. Denzel Mims, the rookie out of Baylor, looks like he is going to miss this game for personal reasons, okay? A family emergency leading only Perryman and Crowder. Crowder has also gotten six-plus catches in four of his last five on the road. I think that continues. But I don't think there's much to smile about here for the Jets. Remember, Seattle lost last week. I think Russ Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and yes, Kev, even the running game will be able to go off against the winless Jets. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I'm sure I hope the running game can do something against the winless yeah, right? Jets. Here's the deal. Last week against the Giants, the, what I liked in that game was that one to play to the under. As I said, Seattle's back to being boring, and the Giants have been playing some low-scoring games. It's Colt McCoy, and it was the only thing about that game that was calm. Everything else was a mess. I'm just going to go back to another Seattle Islander. Until they go out there and are fun again and make me excited and we're all happy, I'm just going to keep taking the under. They've played the four straight unders. Your favorite defense in the league, Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap led. Revenge, baby, revenge. And a half points per game over that four-game window. Three hey, of the last hey. four Jets games on the road have gone under. The Jets are the lowest-scoring offense in football. And, I, you know, Dane, you're usually the one who you kind of throw out, like, where teams rank scoring offenses. And so I, yeah, yeah. I wanted to look that up myself just to kind of get a well, sense. Of, I mean, the Jets are three points lower than the Denver yes. Broncos. Like, it's and that's even better than... That's closer than it's been, bro. <laughs> About a month ago, it's, it was even worse. Yeah. Okay, it's there was outrageous. times when the Jets were like at 12 points a game and literally like mm-hmm. the second worst and third worst, I think were like the Giants and the Bears at like mm-hmm. 18 or 19 points a game. That gap was six points at one point in the season. Yeah. I will say this. And you mentioned the Seahawks' defense getting better, right? Whatever the Jets do on offense this week will probably help that Seahawks number as well. Kev, trivia time for you, brother man. Oh! Oh, oh DK right. Metcalf and Yvonne Tyler Bernard. Lockett. No, close. <laughs> DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are an amazing combo, right? They are yes. an amazing combo that Russ gets to throw to. Um, DK Metcalf has 1,119 yards receiving this year already. Tyler Lockett has 834 yards receiving already. As teammates, they have two guys above 800 yards. Two other teams can say that, that they have teammates above 800 yards so far this season. Who are they? Boy, this is going to be, if the Vikings aren't on the list, we're in trouble. Are the Vikings on the list? 
The Vikings are not on the list. Adam Thielen has yeah, touchdowns, mean, but not yards. Yes, yeah. we are. We we automatically start this spot in trouble. Then, man, <laughs> I love I love the trivia though. I love the trivia. Man, the Falcons come to mind, but has Julio played enough games? Let's try the Falcons. No is the answer to that Absolutely question. Absolutely not. No I mean, this guy is Julio's the answer. Crushing. It's, not, it's not even the Falcons. I mean, Ridley's been down for some games also, if you remember. Okay? Yeah, but I feel like Ridley is one Ridley of them not over 800 yards. One of them is, uh, I don't think so. I'll have to double check that exactly. One of them is very easy, Kev. Come on, Kev. Easy is a relative term, my friend. Because right Kev. now, it's just, wait a minute. Does Ooh. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill count? They would. I said teammates. I didn't say receivers. Oh, Chiefs. 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 The Chiefs are one of them. Yes. Got you got 20 got seconds one. to get the other one, brother. Oh, you got gosh. 20 seconds gonna, to get gonna the gonna other one. I think they do out it. By the... The, Chief, the Chiefs were the obvious one. Who else you got? Come on. Who else throws for you? I don't know. Cup and Woods. Close, but no cigar. That would be going full circle with your Jared Goff, right? Robbie oh. Anderson and DJ Moore. Oh, Both not a million years. Have over 800 yards as well. We'll turn our attention to the Panthers when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line where we fundamentally put the fun and functional sports content. Big shout out to all the radio affiliates for getting up on the grid early with us, Kev. You know, in that last game with uh, Jamal Adams facing the Jets, you could build it as a revenge game. I could build this one as a revenge game as well as Andy Dalton and the Dallas Cowboys go to Cincinnati to take on the Red Rifles' former team, where he probably has a ton of franchise records to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are home dogs. They're getting three and a half points to this three and nine Cowboys team. This three and nine Cowboys team that gives up 32.8 points a game. That is the worst in the NFL. Kev, remember when you just talked about how the Jets offense was a full three points clear of the worst offense in the league? Well, the Dallas Cowboys defense is a full three points clear of number 31 in the NFL. The question, though, is can this Cincinnati offense take advantage of it at all given their third string quarterback given the fact that they got just Gio Bernard who is a trivia answer and how are they going to get it to the guys <laughs> like Boyd and Higgins and uh potentially AJ Green as well uh how do you see this one going down for the Red Rifle in his return to Cincy I hope we all remember uh Giovanni Bar <laughs> Giovanni Bernard's career as a trivia answer. Yeah, really, Here's the right? deal with the Bengals, right? I you gotta be looking at this thing, you're like, who is Dallas to ever lay points to anybody? Since Joe Burrow has gone down, the Bengals have mm-hmm. two offensive touchdowns. One, a garbage time backdoor of the Giants, and the other was the seventy-two yard broken play against the Dolphins last week. They can't score the football, they can't move the football, and Dallas I actually was weird. I don't know what happens with me. I was impressed with their offense in a game they only scored 17, and some of these things were fluky. I thought they moved the ball. They couldn't finish drives. Greg Zerline missed three field goals in the game. I think they actually played solid on the offensive side of the ball. little revenge spot here for Andy Dalton. I think the Cowboys get this done. I actually think they can win this game pretty big. Uh, I think that the Bengals are just so, so bad 
on the offensive side of the football. I think the Cowboys can get up to, you know, maybe 24 points in this game and, and win this thing 24-7, something like that. I really like Dallas in the spot. Yeah, I like Dallas in this spot also. Remember, now that Joe Burrow is not there, I got no belief in this Cincinnati offense. I think they're going to lose out. I think they're going to have the third pick in the draft where they will need to get an offensive lineman. I hear there's a good one up there in Oregon. You know, remember in the draft, Kev, when T. Higgins, who has been good, right, second among rookies in catches and receiving yards, I get it. But remember, we thought they had other priorities, right, like on the offensive line, on the defensive line, that sort of thing. And boy, has that come true, Kev. Listen to this for Cincinnati. This They need to address this. They have, among them, 13 sacks. That's the lowest total in the NFL, Kev. They have sacked the quarterback the least amount of times in the NFL. They also have allowed the second highest amount of sacks in the NFL, second only to your Philadelphia yeah, Eagles. I know. Joe Burrow has been sacked 44, or Bengals quarterbacks have been sacked 44 times. Kev, it's like the stuff I say about the Colts. I like the way they're built up front. I don't like the way the Bengals are built up front. That needs to be job number one with a franchise quarterback. Another game, Kev, around two teams that, listen, we don't know what's in it really for them. The Denver Broncos go to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. Listen, Carolina, you know, They've got wide receivers that both have over 800 yards. They have Christian McCaffrey, although he ain't playing again, it doesn't look like. It looks like I believe he's going to get shut down. I mean, why risk McCaffrey anymore when you are a 4-8 and team? I will say this. The reason I believe that the Panthers may want to again draft defense with every single draft pick they have, their offense is okay. Teddy can manage the game, right? They have the weapons they need. But look at this, Kev. They are 31st in the league in two critical defensive categories. They allow third downs converted against them at a 52% clip, second worst in the NFL. And then in the red zone, they allow teams to score touchdowns against them at a 95% clip. That's second worst in the NFL, right? So they got to fix that up on defense. The only question for me is, I don't know if this Broncos offense is equipped to expose anybody right now. They are, as you know, when you were looking up the Jets, the Broncos are the second worst offensive team in football in terms of points per game. So can they do work against this Panthers defense that hasn't given it up? Maybe. Man, this game, I <laughs> I kind of want to protest the game, if I'm quite honest with you, because of the Christian okay. McCaffrey absence. It's completely broken my heart. Why didn't you convinced. back him up and handcuff him with Mike Davis? Mike Davis has been awesome in that spot. You needed to grab Mike Davis early on. Yeah, I wasn't high enough on the waivers. We missed out on him, and he's never been dropped. I'm sorry. What was I supposed to sorry do? Sorry to hear it's that. Been a, sorry it's, hear been, that. it's been annoying. It's been tough. Yeah. We're going through it as an organization. We're going to battle okay. back, though. We're still in the playoffs. Okay. Tell you what, Robert Woods didn't get us off to a good start last night. I'll tell you that. Oh, God. I'm just over it. I'm over it. You need Cam Akers, I guess. You need Cam Akers with yeah, the Rams that defense. That would have been nice. Luckily, fine. luckily, Cam Newton was not in a quarterback, and it was basically a win, if you ask me. But as far as this Fair game enough. goes here, Dane, I think yeah. I could see it playing over. I don't really want to back either of these teams on the spread. I don't With really this Broncos offense? 
I, I know, but remember when Denver was scoring 20 points in the fourth quarter of all those games? I can just see them having a big... Remember, last week, Drew Locke was absent, and I, I know he was able to practice a little bit, but it might have just been a little bit off tilt, right? They're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. They're here against this Panthers uh, defense. I think they're going to be able to move the football, and I think the Panthers, even if they don't have McCaffrey, Mike Davis has been solid. If they don't have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson has been solid. 46 and a half. It feels a little light for these two teams. All right, fair enough. We got two more games to discuss, Kev, and I, I, I hate to say it, but all four teams that we're going to discuss in these last two games either have already fired their coach or I believe will fire their coach on Black Monday. The first example of this is the Houston Texans going to Chicago to take on Matt Nagy and his post of head coach of the Chicago Bears maybe for another month. And then the Chicago Bears, listen, though, the Bears – are five and seven. When we talk about the Giants, when we talk about the football team, when we talk about the Niners, and we say they are five and seven, we include the factoid that they are only one game behind the playoffs. These Bears are also only one game behind the playoffs, and they are home dogs to a Texans team that has a worse record than them. A Texans team that is worse than the NFL running the ball themselves. A Texans team that is second worst in the NFL against the run, and I don't believe in the player per se. But David Montgomery has been good since his return from injury. Over 100 scrimmage yards and a touchdown in his last two. Can the Bears do enough to uh, stay alive? Or does it help even more my under win total bet? Honestly, Dan, it is so outrageous what this team has done this year. It is so yeah. like when, when we look back on. They were know, five and one. This team was five and one. one. They were five and one, right? And, and this was the best part of it all, right? We kind of had this role reversal thing where you were like, yeah, but look at the context. They're garbage. And I'm like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. They're five and one. I'm like, they have to do next to nothing, and they're going to be in the playoffs. And since then, they've, they've just done... done nothing. They've done absolutely <laughs> nothing. And, Dane, next to nothing yep. was actually too high of a bar. They, right. they just won yes. two games. They would be fine. Hell, if they would have held on against the Lions last week, they might be with tiebreakers. I guess not, but they'd be tied for the seven spot. It is outrageous, outrageous what this team has done. With all of that being said, I love the over. Why is this 45 and a half? First of all, here comes Deshaun Watson. Love that. Excited about it. And he is going to be going out there and putting up some points for us. They are 5-1 yeah, to amazing. the over on the road. Dang, the Bears. Two straight overs and hmm. two straight games that have gotten 60-plus points on the board. Mitch Trubisky, hmm. if we actually look at it, I'm going to say this. It's a secret. Nobody repeat this. It was a mistake that they benched Trubisky. No one ever tell Foles I said that. <laughs> they actually have scored with Trubisky. The defense, I think, has quit on the team. I don't blame them. I think 45.5 is way too light for these two teams. Way too light. All right, fair enough. And listen, Deshaun Watson has a revelation. He's one of, by the way, the four best quarterbacks in all of the NFL. And his 3,542 yards are second in the NFL in passing. I know how to get my guy to chuckle. Oh, and Kev, it is unreal. trivia time here on Love a football that. Friday. Are you ready, brother? We got one yeah. game left to discuss. And so think about that in the context of trivia time. Okay. Kev? Let's do it. I got two ways I can go. I got two questions I can ask you. 
Hmm. Do you want one that's predicated on just one stat or a combination of multiple stats? It's, it's a dealer's choice. I, I simply I can't choose. There are four players in the NFL. Only four. Yeah. You would think as we evolve to this pass-happy league, there are only four players in the NFL who have 50 or more receptions the last four seasons in a row. Ooh, 50 gosh. or more receptions in the last four seasons in a row. So remember, some of the big boys have missed time with injury, right? There are only four players who have 50 receptions the last four years in a row. I'll say one. I'll emphasize one word again. There are four players who have right. 50 got receptions got I got this. in the got last this. four years in a row. And yeah. I'll give you the context here. We're doing this right before the last game we got a preview, which happens to be yeah. the Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Chargers. Another game yeah. where the coaches have either been fired or might be fired. Yes. A game where both of these teams seem to be able this. to give up leads. I will. I, I don't know. You want to make your first no, guess no. now? I or think, you want to have I an entire I think, commercial break I think, to think about it? I either, I either get this, the, I get this right now or, more or we're done. Ready? Ready? Julio, Keenan, Hopkins, Kelsey. We'll see. What? We'll see. We'll see. Unreal. What? You don't go um, commercial. You did break? not. Howie you did not Mandel? go four for four. You did not oh. go four for four. We'll talk about it when oh, we babies. come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge as we look forward to a football Friday here, week 14. I hope you were thinking about it also over the commercial break. I asked Kevin, who are the four players who have 50 or more catches for four years in a row? Kevin, you went three out of four. You went okay. three out of four. Uh, the Who's one that three? is not there. The one that was not there, though, is Keenan Allen. Remember, he got injured in week one recently oh. Um, oh, and didn't finish right. that season. Okay, so Keenan Allen would not make that. Julio Jones, who you guessed, correct. D-Hop, who you guessed, correct. Travis Kelsey, who you guessed, correct, was the non-receiver yeah. involved. You want to take a stab at the fourth or no? You want the, me to give it to you? The, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there because he, for some reason, crossed the mind. Stefan Diggs came to mind. I don't know if that's right. But Stefan Diggs is incorrect. Stefan Diggs has missed some time. And remember, he's a yardage guy in terms of this year. This year, he's tied with Keenan Allen with 90 receptions. It does. Diggs had some injury history as well. And remember, Diggs has only been a boss for like the last three years. Remember when Diggs emerged in that first year? But I digress. The correct answer is. Bless him, Kev. Jarvis Landry is the answer oh, to the question. Ball. Jarvis yeah, Landry sure. has consistently been above that level as a PPR. But I digress. I knew some options here would be Julio Jones and Keenan Allen. These guys yeah. are, you know, blue chip wide receivers. Also on Julio, just the, the idea of how amazing Julio is. If he gets yeah. another two catches this year, he'll get to 850 catches in his first 10 seasons in the NFL. Becoming only the fourth player to be able to do that. If he gets 104 more yards this year, Kev, he'll surpass 13,000 yards in his first 
10 seasons in the NFL. The only other human to do that in NFL history, some guy named Jerry Rice. I'd say that's pretty good. But in this yeah. game, the Atlanta Falcons, another road favorite, Kev. They go to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. Both of these teams, I don't care who's winning this game with four minutes left. I might in-game live bet the other team to win, whoever it is. The total is also 49 and a half in this one. Herbert and the Chargers offense took a step back getting bageled by the Patriots yeah. last week. They still, however, have one of the more dynamic offenses, especially under Herbert. He's setting rookie records left and right. How do you see this one playing out? So this game, it, it I'm I can't help but laugh. So the other night I was doing Can we just bet the plus some... number in game live? Like late third quarter, let's just bet the so, plus number in game live. The, the thing is that didn't work the other day with the Chargers. So here's here's the deal with this game, right? So last night I'm doing a little research, right? And yeah. I put down Chargers plus two. And then I started. La- I, I went. I went ah, plus two. I said, "I ah, don't win this game. What's the two points going to matter?" And oh, I started oh, changing boy. it. And I went, <laughs> "What are you new here? What are you crazy? Of course the Chargers are going to lose this game by only a point. I, I mean, what oh, else yeah. would the Chargers do? At the end of the day, the Falcons this season have been favorites five times. Not only are they one and four ATS, they're one and four straight up. But the Chargers, like they went from." This team that consistently was covering some numbers and keeping it competitive to really just squandering everything, maybe getting too much respect and a lot of point spreads. And they haven't covered since they played the Jaguars. And that cover was a little dicey for a while as well. And I'm talking that's back in October. So since we've flipped the calendar over, they've not covered a number. These are just two teams to me, Dane, that you and that's what you're talking about. I totally agree. You want to bet this game? You bet it in game. And you'll find a better number Same, than the numbers right? that are being tossed out right now. 100%. Because neither of these two teams deserve your money. They just absolutely don't. But if I had to, I would lean on the Chargers. If I had to. Okay, fair enough. Um, you think Anthony Lynn is the head coach of the Chargers next season? No, and I think it's and I, I think it'd be a, a disaster if he was. I everything you can't get anybody to say a bad word about Anthony Lynn as a person, and I think fine, yeah, valuable. good man. And good I think man. he that's should still be about. and I think he should still find a job elsewhere in the league, but he he clearly is not a head coach. Clearly he's not a head right. coach. Right, could be their coordinator side. I mean, I'm looking at Lynn, I'm looking at Nagy, I'm looking at Gaze to kind of add to the carousel, right, on Black Monday. I think yeah. we will see that. Well, there you have it, guys. The buys are done. We're at the three-quarter poll, okay? And I'm telling you right now, unfortunately, it's not an argument with Kevin. Kevin likes to talk about that. They're going to be favorites in their next four games, that sort of thing, in the last quarter of the season. There is going to be a team that completely improves in perception, that reels off some, that is going to be that hot team. And the inverse is also true. There's going to be a team, maybe it's the Steelers, right, who who have a bad fourth quarter of the season and it changed their perception. It's going to happen in the NFL, and we're going to start to see some of those games that are those proof points, just like we Mm. saw last week with teams like the Giants, teams like the football team. They're out there this week. And by the way, Kev, in this week, they're there are 10 home dogs on the slate. No wonder why I feel Ten so uncomfortable. home dogs. I'm telling you, seriously. Seriously. Uh, you know, let's see. Uh, 
Indy goes in as road favorites. Green Bay, road favorites. Atlanta, road favorites. That's three. The Texans are road favorites. The Cowboys are road favorites. The Titans are road favorites. That's six. The Chiefs are road favorites. That's seven. The Cardinals are road favorites. That's eight. The Saints are road favorites. That is nine. And on Monday night, the Baltimore Ravens go into Cleveland as a road favorite, Kev. Ten road favorites in this week. I think it means even more like something different is going to happen on Monday morning. We're going to be lamenting it. You know, I would almost bet all 10 home dogs and watch me go seven and three. I think I think that's reasonable. I want to say two good things quickly. One, just because you said the Cowboys, it gives me a reason to bring this up. Do you know Dak Prescott still leads them in passing yards on the season? Yeah. How ridiculous that is. Like yeah. that is yeah. outrageous. I just wanted to make that note because I, I saw have Dak Prescott. I, remember I as one of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL, and this is part of the reason why. Kev, I mean, to be yeah. quite honest, I think Dak should get MVP votes. Like okay, what the stop, Cowboys were stop, in the first month stop, of the season, stop, and what they are now. Stop, is that not value for Dak? Is that not? Yeah, value I mean, but at the end of the day, like they were still losing a bunch of games. Like, it's, like that's the it, what a weird year that was. It's the theory say, of like it's the theory of like Big Ben Roethlisberger should clearly have been last year's MVP. Right, right, <laughs> right. Despite from, not playing. Right, I mean, yeah. you go from like a six mm-hmm. and ten or whatever to an eleven and O team. There's some value in that man. But I digress, yeah. Kev. What was your point? I, I also want, and I I say this at risk of you then applying it to a single person, but I, I wonder if there is a big injury that shakes this season up in a major way. I yeah, I am not going to apply it to anybody. I would never sure. do that. That's sure. usually what Dane does. Hopefully sure. Dane doesn't do that as well. I know I'm tempting fate by bringing this up, but I remember when the Eagles were the one seed in the NFC. And all of a sudden, Carson Wentz is right around this time. I think it actually might have been week 14. His knee went to all hell. Unfortunately, he's never been the same quarterback since then. I I just, because right now, Dan, I think a lot of people feel like they've got it figured out. And I I feel like that's not going to be the case by the time we show up to the postseason. Yeah, and, and, and here's what I'll say. Maybe the big injury has already happened. Maybe, like, Josh Jacobs was the big injury that completely changes the Raiders' playoff hopes. Maybe Daniel Jones was the big injury. Maybe Kyler Murray and him managing the big injury is a difference, a big-time difference in the NFC playoffs, right? Maybe that has already happened. I wonder about that as well. You know, and there's other players. Maybe Drew Brees is the big injury, right? So we'll, we'll talk to Dr. Chow about it as we go along. But you're absolutely right. Fortunes will change, you know, and week by week. It's a quarter of the season that is left. Think about, you know, teams like after the first quarter of the season, Kev, think about what we thought about the Bears, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and the idea of how perceptions can change over a four game stretch. There's still a lot out there. And we see that when we look at the playoff picture, I do want to turn our attention to the NBA real quick, though, mm-hmm. Kev, for a couple of reasons. One, um, on a positive note, the NBA released the uh, testing results again from their last wave of testing. Remember last time it was 9%, Kev? That mm-hmm. is no good. Okay, now another wave of testing, and it's much better. The numbers are much better. Only 
eight new positives of the 551 players. That's a much better rate. That's like almost, you know, that's just shy of 2%. Obviously, we don't want this at all. And obviously, the yeah. pandemic is still spiking in this country. Wear your masks, people. Wash your hands. Do all that stuff. It's not a political statement. It is just what you should do. But in any mm -hmm. event, what does this mean to you for the NBA? Because, again, Kev, we also know any of these, right, whether it's 9% or whether it's only 80 players, that's still just one snapshot in time. And just like it got better this week, it could get worse next week, right? But this mm -hmm. snapshot in time is a good data point. Right. Well, like This is the thing. When we talked about it last week, I was, and I remember I said to him, like, listen, that, I said, if that's not the height of it, that's going to be a big issue. And there's no guarantee. Like, but a 9% positivity rate, right? You know, you explained it is a <laughs> lot, right? That would shut down so school for, systems, yep. So for the next round of testing to be below 2%, right, is, I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for if you're the NBA. Because at yep, the end of the day, absolutely. is the ideal world zero? Yeah. But unless we bubble up again, we're not going to be able to get to zero. And I, I think what you're saying is true. This isn't going to now be, like, the standard. It's an ideal situation. But again, it's it, that would be a difficult number to sustain. I will say this. It kind of backs, I think, my thinking, though, that, as the players get reacclimated to the priorities and the situation, I think that they might start taking things a little bit, uh, they'll be a little bit more careful. And that can then help keep the numbers lower. I think that's fair, Kev, but right, like we're seeing in the NFL now, especially after the Titans outbreak, right? Like the NFL is trying to be on their P's and Q's. We still see yeah. tests pop up every single week, right? And the biggest thing you said is that they're not doing the bubble. Okay. Yeah. They're not doing the bubble. When you were doing the bubble, the idea of a decreasing percentage of players, you thought once we got to zero, once we got clear, we're good to go. Now the bubble yeah. is in fact the protection. You don't have that. And that is why, Kev, I believe the 9% snapshot in time, this one and a half percent snapshot in time just the same mm -hmm. right because these people are not in a bubble regardless so that will be continuing to go but kev we've got preseason nba games that start tonight we've yeah. got spreads wow. in the nba tonight my new york knicks who by the way are 18 to 1 to make the playoffs in the eastern conference we were talking make miss playoffs what about the new york knicks but i digress in preseason they are four point dogs to the detroit pistons is there anything in any of these preseason games that you're going to be looking for any rookies getting out early load management yeah. new coaches what are you looking for kev I, I absolutely I think Pistons Knicks is a big one because Killian Hayes is supposed Ooh. to be the starting point guard for the Detroit Pistons and Obi Toppin is someone who's continuously been bet a lot to win rookie of the year and we're not going to overreact from a preseason game but I will care about the minutes and the way these teams look when those two players are out there on the court at the end of the day so no one not, people aren't really talking about Killian Hayes but Dane if I tell you that a guy's going to be the starting point guard on the Detroit Pistons sounds like there might be a yeah. lot of volume there and maybe he could be value I'm also going to be interested of course in Lakers Clippers we'll see who's out there on the court tonight but if this is basically Montrezl Harrell against Lou Williams I'm just going to be yeah. excited to watch the game Absolutely. And can I ask you real quick, are there any more teams that James Harden is okay being traded to? Yes, evidently there are. Evidently there are. Yeah. The Miami Heat have made the cut. 
which cool. I think we could see uh, actually cool. pan out. And the Milwaukee Bucks have made the cut, which oh, is he's down to go hilarious. What do you know? How about which is that? hilarious because him and Giannis have been <laughs> slandering one another in the public for years That's now, true. which is why it's That's ridiculous. True. He would never go play yeah. for the Bucks. He doesn't want to go to Milwaukee. Yeah, well, he's going to wind up staying in Houston, and they're going to be uncomfortable for a while. We wrap up this week of the early line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin fundamentally putting the fun and functional sports content. Kev, also, tell people that they can hit you up on Twitter, right? They could DM you when I ask you a trivia question. They could DM you. <laughs> Listen, I mean, bro. Like, they I'm could. Mad, you know, now, I, mean? I see you on camera. I can see if you're, like, looking it up or something true. like that. But you'll bounce yeah. back. It's all good. The crew is here. Uh, we'll have another big week. But um, another thing happened in the NBA that I think is interesting You've been down on the Clippers. You've been down on the chemistry of the Clippers. You've been down on the treatment of guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You know, there were pieces out there. But uh, the Clippers are not down on Paul George because he signed a max extension. Um, You know, it's going to be $226 million over the next five years. Good work if you can get it, bro. I'll tell you right now. Listen, if you want to pay me that kind of money, I'll box like Logan Paul, for goodness sakes. If if I get the money, (laughs) sure. But PG-13 will be getting the money in L.A. for the next five years. You like this decision by the Clippers? Yeah, listen, I need to be consistent here, and I'm going to be consistent. If I'm going to say how good it is for the Lakers' uh, mindset to have their stars locked up, i got to give the Clippers that same kind of benefit. Because I really think that if they had went through this season without both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on any type of contract extension, I think it would have been really scary, especially Mm. for Paul George. Because if you get to the midway point and things are and Kawhi's like, listen, Send that dude packing. Or Steve Ballmer's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I either fire Ty Lue or trade Paul George. You get to make rash decisions. Paul George is now there for the long haul. And that's also important, Dane, because they gave up one zillion picks to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it would be really gut-wrenching for them to watch them lose Kawhi, lose Paul George for nothing, while the Thunder then have all of their draft capital, and they're just absolutely stuck in NBA hell. So I think it's a good move for the Clippers. Paul George, by the way, as awful as he was to close out that Nuggets series, he's still one of the 20 best players in the NBA without doubt, and probably higher than that. And a two-way player, which is important if they want to get to where they need to get into the playoffs. It's important to lock up those cornerstones, and Paul George will be one for the Clippers. A lot of stuff is going to go down in Week 14. We'll be back here Monday to discuss it. For Kevin, I'm Dane. Have a great weekend, everybody.